Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster podcast with hosts Amy and... And I'm Kevin. And we're coming at you a little bit later, like we always say, with episode number 73, The Blade Runner, Oscar Pistorius. And we're coming live... (laughs) Live from the musty basement... Somewhere in Salem, Oregon. It's very spooky. On top of some boxes. And yeah, so we were hoping to get an episode in the can or in the dumpster, right? Didn't. Uh, a right before. just crawled over my foot. <laughs> I know, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's nothing on their basement at all. It's just the fact that we are. It's a basement. Know, it's a basement, you know. And they just moved in, so we're really proud of our friends for buying a house in Salem, and we're visiting them. And yeah, it's been a rough last couple of weeks. Every single time we go to like record an episode, something huge and catastrophic has happened over the last like month or so. So hold your breath, because yeah. we're trying it again. Yeah, so we're just really crossing our fingers and hope everyone's staying safe and staying healthy and being good as we are down in this basement. So... Originally, we were supposed to do this episode like a week ago, but my dad ended up in the hospital and stuff, so it was pretty crazy. But while, you know, this was happening, the Olympics were on, or I think they're still on. I haven't I followed. I believe they're still going. Okay. I, I haven't been following because I was only doing that for my dad's um, hospital room because that's the only place where you get cable. <laughs> and then, of course, I get little blips here and there on like the Facebook or, you know, social Whatever media. Whatever kids stuff. call that. So, and I was thinking, like, oh, maybe we should do like a true crime Olympian thing. And like, there's some stuff we could do, but for the most part, Olympians kind of keep their noses clean. There was that one guy who was part of the insurrection that like won some medal like a couple years ago or something. For, he, he got gold and storm in the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, you know, it's Simone Biles' brother, like, murdered someone. But, like, that's just, like, that has nothing to do with her, really. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to smear her good name because she's a wonderful human being and I fully support her. But then, I mean, so when you put in Olympian true crime, the number one hit over and over and over again is Oscar Pistorius. So we felt obliged to do in honor of the great games <laughs> thank you Greece, for bringing the games to the rest of us so before we begin the case of mr pistorius the olympian in true crime it's important to know who the innocent victim was so i'm going to start off with her story first so reva steenkamp was born in cape town south africa to parents Barry Steenkamp, a horse trainer, and his second wife, June. She had two older half-siblings from her parents' previous marriages. After secondary school, Riva studied law at the University of Port Elizabeth and became a part of the Nelson Mandela Metropolitan University, where she graduated with a Bachelor of Laws degree in 2005. After university, Reva worked as a paralegal and as a model. So if you Google a picture of Reva Steenkamp, I mean, she's like drop dead gorgeous. She's like the prototypical, beautiful, chiseled jawed, 
long blonde hair, just like total supermodel. She's ridiculously beautiful. She applied to the bar. So not only is she like ridiculously beautiful, but she's also like ridiculously bright. She applied to the bar in late 2011 and hoped to be become a qualified legal advocate by the age of 30. So she was really had a lot going for her. She was a presenter for fashion TV in South Africa and an FHM cover girl and the face of the cosmetics company Avon. And apparently she was like the first face that Avon had ever used in South Africa because she was just so ridiculously beautiful. FHM described her as a beautiful, intelligent, and warm-hearted woman who had a wicked sense of humor. She was the kindest, sweetest human being, an angel on earth, said Capacity Relations, the agency that represented her. Riva also worked with an anti-bullying campaign and was about to return to her old high school to talk to girls about gender-based violence. She used her social media platform to help empower women and to speak up about domestic violence and rape. She encouraged her fans to wear black the day after Valentine's Day to remember Anin Buisen, a 17-year-old girl who was raped, disemboweled, and left for dead in 2013 in Bredesdorp. A week before her death, Riva talked about her secure, blissful environment in a social media post that read, I woke up in a happy, safe home this morning, she tweeted. Not everyone else did. Four days after she posted that message, she was shot dead by her boyfriend at his house in Pretoria on Valentine's Day in 2013. Brutal, huh? That, yeah, that's a lot of... <laughs> yeah, a lot of like like just ironic foresight. You know, or I don't even know what to call it. Like disemboweled. Well, yeah, that's a whole separate case. But I mean, she yeah. was trying to. She was all so like she was this woman that was just trying to bring light to like domestic violence and rape in South Africa, and she was just hyper aware of it. And she was this incredible feminist, and she also was really smart and really beautiful. Like she was just the whole package, you know. And ironically, in a sad, twisted bit of fate. Like, the thing that she was advocating against would eventually be, like, the death of her. Like, quite literally, you know? And it all... And what's crazy is to find out how long they dated for, you know? So, I'll let me tell you about that. So, who was her boyfriend? So, this is Oscar Leonard Carl Pistorius. Why would you give a kid two middle names? That's just when you just can't decide. We almost gave... Well, yeah. We should have gave her three last names. <laughs> He was also known as, well, so he's short, more short known as Oscar Pistorius, and his nickname is the Blade Runner, which he does not deserve because that's a way cooler movie than he'll ever be. The two of them together were South Africa's poster power couple. Oscar was born on November 22nd, 1986 in Johannesburg, South Africa. Oscar was born without a fibula bone in either of his lower legs, so his legs were amputated below the knee when he was 11 months old. And six months after that, he learned to walk on fiberglass pegs. Wow. Yeah. His parents were the owners of a zinc mining business, so it sounds, I don't, I mean, I don't know, but it, the fact that they even owned like a business that mined something, it seems like, yes, he definitely came from like a rich household, you know? They encouraged him to participate in sports. He played water polo and rugby in secondary school until he injured a knee in 2003. Oscar began track running to rehabilitate the knee, which seems, again, kind of ironic, right? Seeing as how he doesn't have full legs. 
Shortly after obtaining his first carbon fiber prosthesis, the source of his nickname, the Blade Runner, and won the 200-meter event at the 2004 Paralympics in Athens, he claimed a bronze medal in the 100 meters. So at an elite invitational competition in Rome in 2007, Oscar first competed internationally against able-bodied athletes, improving his best time in the 400 meters in 46.9 seconds. So, I mean, obviously he had super duper supportive parents who basically said, don't ever let your, you know, disabilities limit you from, you know, doing whatever it is that you want. So he was really, he's really amazing in that regard. And his amazingness should not overshadow his shittiness, which definitely is there. And we're going to talk about his shittiness, but like, yes, this, this is incredible this is an incredible feat of like physical strength, right? And will. Yeah. And will. Like, you know, most people I would imagine that have this like extreme disability would probably not consider running competitively, you know, even like at the high school level or like, you know, middle school level or something, let alone like the Olympic level. After being noticed for his skill, he participated in a series of tests that indicated that his high tech prosthetic legs imp- actually gave him an unfair advantage, enabling him to expend less energy than able-bodied athletes running at the same speed. So as a result of that testing in 2008, he was actually banned from able-bodied competition. However, a court of arbitration for sports appealed and revoked the ban, though the issue continued to cause much debate. So that's again, like not only is he famous for, you know, competing with able-bodied you know folks in running events but also like his ability to even be able to run with them was always being called into question later that summer oscar won three gold medals at the beijing paralympics the i don't care the other i don't care and a bunch of i don't cares and he said (laughs) i don't like i don't know track it's just like a bunch of meters he ran lots of meters so he's he's good at running he's good at running and well at the paralympics <laughs> and so he set a world record in his class so he set a world record at the paralympics but again like the arbitration board or whatever you want to call them like, they already said that he had an unfair advantage so he's already like i don't know like whatever like it again you just amazing. so anti-sports i'm anti oscar pistorius so i'm not anti-sports i just you know whatever okay At age 22, Oscar was boating with a friend on the Val River near Johannesburg when a vessel apparently hit something. He was airlifted to the hospital with head and facial injuries, and this incident set him back throughout 2010, but he rebounded in 2011 to win some gold in stuff. So wait, he was in a boating accident? So kind of like in the midst of his like height of his career, like after winning the Paralympics and all this stuff, when he was like training to be in like the real Olympics, yeah. he got in this boating accident that caused some head injuries, which so I So be- they were going fast. Their vessel crashed. Yeah, their vessel crashed. He got injured and it set him so back basically fast. a year of training. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Speedboat. Yeah. He goes fast on land. He goes fast in water. This guy likes going fast. He likes gotcha. going fast. He likes being loose. And fast. And you'll see. Okay. Show me. (laughs) So he won like some more medals and stuff in 2011. And did he get the stuff? (laughs) And yada, yada, yada. Basically, he was the first amputee and potentially the only I haven't followed my, you know, 
I don't follow Olympics at all, let alone like very specific running divisions. Like the only thing I know about the Olympics is like Simone Biles and like Mary Lou Retton. That's it. And like maybe Christy Yamaguchi. That's all I know. And those are like. What about Greg Luganis? I, I don't even know who he is. Oh, Prefontaine was somebody. He went to U of O. He was runner. He was runner. He was runner. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing really well. So, yeah, I know there's some people that have been in the Olympics at some point I've, or another. I've heard that there's been people. Yeah. So, basically, he was the first amputee to p- compete at all in track events for able-bodied people in the Olympics. He didn't actually win a medal. So, there you go. So, there. I know. I've never won a medal either. So, I can't really, you know, whatever. So, yes, just want to say, yes, Oscar is impressive on paper. He did a lot for the amputee community and differently abled folks. However, just because he has a lot of achievements doesn't mean he shouldn't be held accountable for the shitty things that he's done as a human being off of the track field. The only reason I bring this up is because it's going to be brought up at trial and it's going to be brought up in the media, like kind of similar to OJ Simpson, like how could our well-loved athlete, you know, that, you know, literally I think in the eighties or nineties, my dad was saying like when OJ Simpson was doing commercials for like Hertz rental car and he was in like naked gun and he was like in like all these, like he like made, did cameos and all kinds of movies and stuff, you know, like literally at a certain point, and I think it was probably the late eighties or early nineties, OJ Simpson was the most loved American in America, like period. Like everybody loved him. And I think Bill Cosby was too, but we won't go there. <clears throat> so <laughs> let me talk about the couple now. So for three months, I repeat, three months. We're talking three months. Did you say we, three months? Yes. Reva and Oscar were the it couple in South Africa. So they were together for That's not very long. three months, but it was a big deal. They had lots of pictures taken of them. They're very beautiful together. I also forgot to mention Oscar Pistorius is good looking, blah, 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 whatever. Doesn't matter, but except for it kind of does. That's the only reason I bring it up. He it looks, looks like a, he paper. looks like a model. Yeah. She is a model. Oh, wow. And they're just like this drop dead, beautiful couple, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so. She was a knockout model with a heart of gold and Oscar was a handsome track star that defied all the odds. Together, they were invincible and people were just fucking obsessed with these guys. Like really, they put like South Africa on the map, like in in the media, basically. Like he was such a big deal. Like, again, I don't even follow the Olympics and I knew about him because it was a big fucking deal. Like, you know, to have this guy in the Olympics, right? So June Steenkamp, um, as she was talking to the BBC World Service, she said that Oscar treated Riva like his arm candy and tried to dictate what she wore, how she behaved, and how she spoke prior to the killing on Valentine's Day in 2013. So apparently, like, Riva really talked to her mom, like, all of the time and it was, like, really honest with her. And so June Steenkamp, her mom, was, like, not a huge fan of Oscar at all. She described a time when Riva, when she was 29, she called her during um, their relationship to say that Oscar was driving at a dangerous speed of 161 miles per hour. And she actually like, called her mom to be like, yo, like Oscar's scaring the shit out of me. He's driving the car really fast and reckless, you know, like, like, can you tell him 
or like, I don't know what to do, basically. And so June's team camp was like, hand the phone over to me. And she screamed at Oscar and was like, how dare you bring my daughter in a car going that fast? And he actually slowed down. He likes going fast. Yes. And fast he's guy. fast and loose and reckless. Fast and furious. And so here's a little fact before we get into the murder. A woman is killed by her husband, her boyfriend, or same-sex partner every eight hours in South Africa, where intimate femicide is the country's leading cause of violent deaths for women. Oof. I, I don't know if it's that far off from like our statistics in the United States. I know that the number one cause of death in pregnant women is their partner's. Like, I know that, like, they're being murdered by their partners. I know that, but I don't, yeah. But I don't know if it's the leading cause of death in women at all. Like, it might be, like, a, you know, like a disease or something like that. But in South Africa, like, three women die per day because of domestic violence. So we're basically starting on 10 p.m. on February 13th, 2013. They went to bed around 10 p.m. that night, so the day before Valentine's Day, and Oscar arranged two fans in the doorway to the balcony because the air conditioning wasn't working. Oscar usually slept on the right-hand side of the bed, but claims that due to shoulder in- to an- a shoulder injury, he slept on the left-hand side of the bed that night. His iPad and his prosthetic legs were on the right-hand side of the bed. Reva's bag and sandals were on the left-hand side, the side he claims he was sleeping on. So they're basically saying that their stuff was on opposite sides of the bed. Because they were on opposite sides of the bed. So everything was like atypical for this night. The air conditioning wasn't on. So there was fans. It's just so I think that part of like this is just to kind of complicate the storyline a bit. He woke up during the early hours of February 14th, 2013, because the room was hot and humid. Reva was also awake and asked him, you can't sleep, Baba? Baba? Okay. Must be like babe in South African talk. I don't know. (laughs) Oscar got up without his quote-unquote legs and moved the fans from the balcony doorway to inside of the room. He pulled the curtains tight to block a slim bit of light through the curtains and moved Reva's jeans from the floor as going to use them to cover a small LED light on an amplifier. Before covering the light, he heard the noise of a window opening in the bathroom. He said he believed the noise was from an intruder who was in his house, possibly via a ladder to a window. Still on his stumps, Oscar, that's what it says here. I'm not making fun of him. He retrieved his gun, although I could and it's fine. Oscar retrieved, well, I don't want to make fun of his disability. I'll just make fun of him in general. Okay. So Oscar retrieved his gun because that's, I mean, yes. why would he not look at the bed? Like, why is the first thought the least likely? Isn't that like a rule? <laughs> Isn't Are we that like Occam's razor? Yeah, like usually the simplest explanation is the right one, right? right. So, yeah. like a sound, it couldn't be my girlfriend. It has to be like an intruder who brought their own ladder and is climbing up the window to kill us. Like, no. So, was the girlfriend climbing out the window to escape him? No. Do you really not know this? No, I don't. You don't know this case. Okay, yeah. That's why I'm getting your honest reaction here. Yeah, I know. So she's in, they're in bed together. And she's like, oh, hey, babe. And he's like, oh, let me rearrange some things, you know? And then, 
as he's basically coming back to bed, from what I understand. That's when he hears That's the when noise. he hears something. And he's like, an intruder. Like, doesn't even look back at the bed, apparently. And then just grabs a gun. And we're going to find out how trigger happy Oscar is. It'll be brought up at his trial. Why would he look back at the bed? To double check to see if she's okay. Because he if he right looked at the bed, huh? He's right there, right? Yeah. Like, like he did not room. look at the bed. So I'm assuming the bathroom is in the bedroom. So right. as he's walking to the bathroom where he hears the sound, he could have just looked over and glanced to see, oh, Reva's not in bed. It's probably her in the bathroom, right? If you heard a noise from the bathroom, would you immediately just shoot without checking to see if I was in bed? I've learned not to do that. <laughs> Good, because that's what normal people would do, right? So like I said, before covering the light, he heard a noise from the window opening in the bathroom. He said he believed the noise was from an intruder who was in the house, possibly via a ladder. He retrieves his gun from the left side of the bed. So he actually does go back to the bed. Why would he then? I don't understand this part. Like, that's crazy. That's where the gun was. And he couldn't see if his chick was there? I guess not. Okay. He whispered to Reva bullshit because she's not in bed he said he whispered to reva to call the police and moved into a hallway leading to the bathroom so apparently he does look back at the bed and he's like to to nothing he's like call the police you know then he grabs his piece so he grabs goes his gun. In the hallway the gun was pointed in front of him moving down the hallway he leaned against the wall for better stability on his stumps because he actually could walk on his stumps he, his eyes kept moving between the bathroom door and a nearby window. He yelled for the person that he, you know, like he thought was like an intruder to get out of his house and yelled for Reva to call the police. Why he didn't wait to hear a response from her, I don't know. I would He's, say adrenaline. He said he felt vulnerable on his stumps and feared someone was about to come in from out of the bathroom when he heard the sound of quote-unquote wood moving and thought the door was opening, he was quote-unquote overcome with fear and he fired four shots in quick succession through the bathroom door. Weird. His ears were ringing from the gunshots, so he was unable to hear anything after that. Oscar retreated back down the hallway to the bed, still aiming his gun at the bathroom. He hopped on the bed in the dark. He felt for Reva and didn't find her. He thought maybe she was hiding on the floor or behind the curtains. So he checked the floor and ran his hands along the curtains. Again, this is all his account. I just want to remind you guys because that's the only account we're going to have. That was when he first suspected that Reva may have been in the bathroom. And that's when everything changed, according to him. Oscar went back to the bathroom door, still holding the gun, and tried the doorknob. The door was locked. He went back to the bedroom, put on his legs, opened the curtains to the balcony while screaming for God to help him. With his legs on, he slammed into the bathroom door with his body. He got a cricket bat and smashed a hole in the door so that he could reach in, pick up a key from the floor, and let himself in. Oscar found Reva crumpled on the floor with her on the toilet. He sat over her and cried. So he had shot his girlfriend while she was peeing 
in the middle of the night on Valentine's Day. Okay, okay, okay. Are you going to tell me what happened? They turn the lights out. Mm-hmm. She goes to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. He thinks someone's breaking in. Mm-hmm. So it's dark. Mm-hmm. With like a sliver of light coming in, yeah. So he was on his way to the bathroom that she's already in. Yes. He didn't. Know, he says he didn't know she was in the bathroom, that he swore that he whispered to her when he was getting his gun from the left-hand side of the bed. He was like, we've got to call the police. Someone's in, there's an intruder in the bathroom. And that's where he, rather than like double check or anything like that, he says he thought the door was going to open and somebody was going to like burst in and, you know, hurt him basically and his girlfriend. So that's why he shoots through the door. And that's when he realizes that it was actually Reva. But he didn't hear her going to the bathroom. He obviously did not. Getting out of bed. So while she was getting out of bed, he was fixing fans to blow into the room more. Oh. Okay. That's Or that's what he claims. Okay. He ran to the left side of the bed to retrieve his phone and went back to Riva. At 3.19 a.m., he called a neighbor. Weird. At 3.20 a.m., he phoned the ambulance service, and at 3.21 a.m., he called security at his estate. Now, in the States here, we would call 911, right? It's different in South Africa. If you live in like a wealthy estate place, um, you tend to call, like there isn't something equivalent to 911 but he lived in like a gated community. So he would call like calling security. The security would call the cops for you basically. So it, that's not that weird that he didn't like immediately call 911 or something like that. Cause there isn't really anything quite equivalent to that. So Oscar picked up Riva and took her downstairs near the front door. When a neighbor arrived, Oscar had his fingers in her mouth to keep her airway opened and a hand on her hip to staunch the bleeding. Police and paramedics arrived. Oscar is asked to stay in the kitchen. There was a lot of blood, and I saw a body at the bottom of the staircase covered in towels. Detective Hilden Botha, a 24-year veteran of the South African Police Service, said. A paramedic told Oscar that Riva was dead. Oscar asked the police if he could wash his bloody hands because the smell was making him feel ill. About two hours later, Oscar asked the police to take whatever photos of him that were needed so he could take off his blood-soaked clothing. And actually, it's really easy to find those photos online of him, you know, kind of posing for the police. So later on Valentine's Day, Oscar is arrested for questioning over the shooting. The next day on February 15th, Oscar appears in court where he is formally charged with murder and told to return for a bail hearing within the next few days. He breaks down in tears. His father, Henke, or Hank, his brother, Carl, and sister, Amy, attend to support him. In the midst of all of this, like, or I guess before all of this, Riva was actually on a reality television show called Tropica Island of Treasure. And she was like this very loved contestant. And she said all these really beautiful things like on the show, apparently, that were very like kind of ominous in the wake of her death, you know. And so the television show actually contacted Reva Steenkamp's parents and said, hey, we actually have this really beautiful footage of like your daughter. But like we understand if you don't want us to release the episode or episodes that she's in um, out of respect for the family. And the parents were like, we, we just want to see her again so you can let them air. So like on February 16th, two days after her death, the, the episodes of Tropica Island of Treasure actually did air. And apparently she said some like really 
awesome stuff in it. And so the parents were like really glad that the episode aired because she came off really well in the episode, whatever it was, it was some kind of reality show. The South African Broadcasting Corporation dedicated the show to her. On February 18th, a South African newspaper reports that a bloody cricket bat was recovered from Oscar's home. So what the, you know, South African press was basically doing during this time was like any kind of steamy piece of gossip they were constantly making as like the headline, kind of similar to like the O.J. Simpson case, you know, whereas like each time a new piece of evidence is found, it's like the headline and everybody's talking about it. So they did find the, the cricket bat, which apparently was the bat that he used to bash in the door. But then it let out that there was blood all over it. And so then people started to kind of suspect like, well, maybe something happened prior to the shooting or something, you know, like they they were leading. And again, like the news media and stuff like that is very different in other countries. And I believe that the police are the ones that even gave the information to the press to basically run with it. I'm not 100 percent sure, but on February 19th, it's crazy there. The trial's already starting basically like shit like i think shit just moves way quicker there than it does here because it says on the first day of the trial oscar denies murdering his girlfriend it might just be the first time he appears in court basically where he's allowed to give his plea right he claimed he shot her thinking she was an intruder and he breaks down in tears on several occasions as prosecutors charge him with premeditated murder on the same day reva's funeral takes place in her hometown of port elizabeth on February 21st, the lead investigator on the case, the guy that I mentioned earlier, Hilton Brotha, is re- replaced after he is charged with seven counts of attempted murder. So apparently, like back in the day, there was this sketchy thing he did. He's this 24-year veteran on the police force, but apparently there was some kind of like shooting where basically people were killed that maybe shouldn't have been, and the charges were dropped against him. And so basically his defense attorneys or people like in the legal system that didn't want to basically see Oscar Pistorius, you know, smeared in the news, they basically found these old charges and they're like, we should make them active again. So basically the lead investigator on the case is basically taken off of it because his name has now been sullied. So, you know, he's free and clear. Like those were not actual murder charges, but They dirtied up his name just enough for him to be out of it. It's the same thing with Mark Furman in the O.J. Simpson trial. Again, these trials are very, very, very similar. Beautiful model girlfriend is killed. You know, heavily loved athlete cannot be to blame, right? Although the big difference is, is like there's no doubt in the Oscar Pistorius case that he did it. He absolutely did it, but wasn't an accident. So that's really the question, right? So... The lead investigator is taken off of the case. He's recused because of this weird old charge. On February 22nd, the magistrate grants the athlete bail at 1 million rand, which is about 72,000 pounds, which is probably about $100,000. And he is ordered to hand over his passport and give up his firearms. I would hope so. Oscar pleads not guilty to murder and three unrelated firearm charges, which we'll hear about. Oscar's neighbor, Michelle Berger, the first witness on the stand, told the jury that she heard petrified and blood-curdling screams before the noise of gunshots around 3 a.m. on the night Reva was killed. So what's interesting about this testimony is that it's going to come up. It's, it's a big thing in the case because the screams really do matter in a sense that 
if they were male screams or female screams, it's really, really important because if it was female screams, that means that she had time to react to him. You know what I mean? Right. Like that, like it would kind of prove that she was murdered. But if it was male screams, it could be like the first realization that he had hurt her and it would make him seem more innocent. So a big question that was brought up in the case is, does Pistorius sound like a woman when he screams? <laughs> Which people laughed at during the trial because it sounds like a ridiculous question. But again, it totally reframes the whole timeline of things. Because if we hear his scream first or at all, right, versus her scream, it changes the storyline, right? right? If she screams, let's say he shot into the door and she screamed, he would probably stop then, right? Because he'd be like, oh, shit, that's Reva. But instead he shoots four times, so she wouldn't even, four consecutive times, which means that she didn't have time to scream. But he also shot, like, rapid fire, like one, two, three, four. Yeah, exactly. She didn't have time to scream. Right. Because she didn't know he was there. It's not like he said, hands up, intruder, I'm going to kill you. Because then she maybe would have, you know. So if we heard her screams, if it was, in fact, a woman's screams that we hear, then it would seem, you know what I mean? Like she wasn't just shot while she was on the toilet. So some witnesses testified to hearing screams before any of the bangs, including the sound of both a man and a woman shouting. So again, that would kind the of insinuate before the bangs would be a little suspect. Too. Yeah, well, it would be more than suspect. It would be like potentially like some neighbors are basically claiming we heard an argument and then a woman scream and then the four bangs like that changes things a lot. That is not everything was really quiet and then there are four shots and then we hear his scream because he fucking realizes like, oh shit, I shot my girlfriend. So the prosecution argues that the screaming was the argument that led Pistorius to murder Riva. But then there was a second series of screams that the neighbors said sounded like a woman in terror. Berger called them petrifying and Stipp said they sounded like a, um, a woman was scared, almost scared out of her mind. That screaming, the prosecution suggests, was Riva fleeing in fear from an enraged Pistorius. But the defense says it was Pistorius himself screaming in anguish as he realized his deadly error. Neighbor Vander Wu, Maru, okay, I'm not going to try. Mr. Mar- yeah, that guy. He gave some support of his theory saying that she heard... She heard what she thought was a woman screaming and asked her husband what it was. Her husband, who knows Oscar, testified. But Samantha Taylor, an ex-girlfriend of Pistorius's, testified that he had yelled at her and often when he shouted, he sounded like a man. So again, it sounds like most people kind of agree that these were like a woman's screams and we have the ex-girlfriend who's going to come into play Later on in the trial, basically saying like he doesn't like there's no way you can mistake his scream for a woman's. He sounds like a man. Okay. Okay. So that's that's the screams in the trial. So on March 10th, so about a month or so into the trial, which, wow, they do trials really quick there. Oscar, he throws up in court after hearing the graphic details describing her fatal injuries. The athlete's former girlfriend, Samantha Taylor, like the one I just talked about, she stands as a witness and tells the court how furious Oscar would get. And he fired a gun out of a car sunroof after being pulled over by police in September 2012. So apparently he got so pissed off about getting pulled over by a police officer, he just took his gun and shot it out the window. 
You usually shoot your gun out the window before you get pulled over by the cops. I mean, that's not really my reaction. You know, I know you were kind of making the joke that he's kind of, you know, he he plays it fast and loose like he really does. You know, he's a hot-headed crazy. Apparently. A couple more weeks into the trial, text messages between Riva and Oscar are read to the court. Riva describes how she was scared of him. In a, in a text message to him, she says, I'm scared of you sometimes and how you snap at me. In the weeks before her death, his jealousy and short tempered escalated. He also called her a bitch a lot in text messages, apparently. Just like she was, she would say things like, I wish you wouldn't call me a bitch, like in front of my friends or something like that. You know, she would always like put bitch in parentheses, like that's what he, not parentheses, quotation marks. Yeah. Like insinuating that's what he called her, just, you know, replying back to it. So on April 8th, Oscar howls and wretches in court while describing how he shoots Riva, which again seems a little dramatic because at this point, like two months have passed. Fans stand outside of the court with banners and messages of support for who? Oscar, not Riva. Others held a circle of prayer for the for Oscar and fans known as ready for this Pistorians. They set up social media pages expressing further support because, again, they love them as a couple. South Africa loved them as a couple, but they loved Oscar more because he kind of helps to put, you know, besides Nelson Mandela, he puts and maybe Trevor Noah, but he wasn't a big deal then yet. He very much put South Africa on the map. Okay, Charlize Theron, too. Okay, there's a lot of like famous people and things from South Africa. South Africa is pretty cool. But Oscar Pretorius, like his. Elon Musk. Oh, yeah, him too. Gosh, there's a lot of really talented people that have come from there. Talented, but terrible, kind of, you know? (laughs) All these people were coming out of support of Pistorius, the Pistorians, and they were just like, let him go. He didn't do it. April 15th. A South African newspaper reports that Oscar was seen partying and flirting with women in Johannesburg during his bail period. Because remember, he's out on bond. Oscar strongly denied that this was the case. It is suggested that the athlete be put under psychiatric observation after an expert said that he had an anxiety disorder. And so this set the trial back even more. So they took like a month long recess or like six week long recess Uh, to allow a panel of psychiatrists and a psychologist to conclude that he is not suffering from a mental illness. So it took six weeks and probably a lot of taxpayer dollars to determine that. So the trial resumes in the summer. So it's been like four months almost since the trial has started. And a report is read out in court concluding that Oscar is severely depressed and will have an increased suicide risk until he gets better mental health care. Let's talk about some of the fuck-ups, some of the theories, and weird things about the case before we go into the verdicts. Verdicts. And I, when I say verdicts, I mean multiple. So let's talk about police blunders. Botha, that one investigator that was taken off of the case, he initially said that two of the witnesses heard screaming from Oscar's house on the night of the killing. He said that they were 600 meters away, which I have no concept of meters, so whatever. He later changed in his report that it was actually 300 meters. So some people think like, oh, that's sketchy because now he's saying it's closer. So it maybe has more credibility because basically what they're going to say is this Botha guy had it out for Oscar because he had actually been at Oscar's house before for like a domestic dispute 
years prior with like an ex-girlfriend. So they're the prosecute, the, the defense. Another OJ similarity. Exactly. So they're like, he's out for blood. Oh, and, and by the way, there's about three feet to one meter. Thank you. Gotcha. So he later changed his distance to 300 meters, which is what? 900 feet. Okay, there you go. And as opposed, to, as opposed to like 1,800 feet, which is a really big difference. It's like twice as much. Yeah. So investigators... I, oh, and here's another fucking weird thing. Investigators missed a spent bullet in the toilet that they didn't take pictures of. But you know what they did take pictures of? All the trophies? Yeah. <laughs> they took. Did the, they do selfies? I. They may have. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but like they like didn't take enough crime scene photos, but made sure to take pictures of his medals, like on his that's mantle. Also, what they did in the yes, OJ shit. Right? Absolutely, they took like they took <laughs> like memorabilia. Fuck. To be crazy. like they like straight up in the OJ Simpson case, which I don't know if we we're gonna cover him one of these days because he's way overcovered. There were police officers coming up to OJ when they were like arresting him being like, hey, my son's like a really big fan. Can you sign this thing for him? And he was like signing autographs from the police as they were like arresting him. And they're like, we know you didn't do it. This is just a formality. That's so crazy. So fucking crazy. (laughs) Oh, God. The next kind of weird thing slash, you know, question in the case is if he was wearing prosthetic legs or not so oscar says that he like i said he walked to the bathroom on his stumps and shot through the door but both have said that the angle of the bullet hole suggested that oscar was standing taller on his prosthetics now if he was standing taller on his prosthetics that means he wasn't in a frantic rush to shoot the door right that means he would actually have to sit on the bed put on his legs and then probably notice that reva was not in bed if he had been wearing his legs like Botha is saying that he most likely was, then that would be, lead more to the the premeditated murder angle. Which again, which is why his defense wanted him off the case because Botha had all of these things to be like, yo, all signs lead to premeditated murder, motherfuckers, you know? Yeah. So the police theory gives credence to a charge of premeditation, like I was saying. If Oscar had time to put on his prosthetics, they'd argue that he wasn't quickly getting out of bed to pursue an intruder. Complicating the issue even more is Botha's later admission that police found no inconsistencies in Oscar's account of events. So Botha has one thing saying that the shooter had to have been taller to make this trajectory a bullet, right? Right. And then the other police, after he was taken off the case, all the other police said, no, 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 it could have been him on his stumps. So again, which is correct, we don't know because it fucking sucks. Another debate that comes up a lot is the empty bladder debate. So an autopsy of Riva's body indicated that her bladder was empty when she was killed. Since it would be highly unlikely for a person's bladder to be fully empty at 3 a.m., the defense says that this shows that Riva was, in fact, using the bathroom before the killing. I don't know if that's actually the the issue, though. I don't know. Like, yeah, she was, and he took that opportunity to shoot her through the door. I don't know. The theory floated. She locked herself inside after hearing Oscar yelling at an intruder. I don't know. And I think the the bladder theory... I mean, when really... you die, all of your liquids. But she died on the toilet, like going to the bathroom. So I feel like it, that doesn't prove or disprove premeditated murder. So again, it came up in court, so I thought it was noteworthy. I don't think it's relevant. Also that came up in the trial was 
the bloody cricket bat, like I mentioned earlier. So was her skull crushed with a bloodied cricket bat that was found at Oscar's house? The scenario has been dismissed and saying that Oscar had simply used it to break down the bathroom door and that potentially then maybe the cricket bat then just sat in the pool of blood. And so that's been kind of debunked as well. Other people use Oscar's confidence as a way to hurt or help him in court. Somebody said he's convinced he'll be out by the weekend and back on the track before the end of the year, an officer said. Would an innocent man be that confident? Could a guilty man be that delusional? So if that quote is accurate, psychologists could have a field day dissecting it. So again, that kind of comes up like he's super confident that he didn't do it. Does that just mean he's a fucking sociopath who just doesn't care that he killed his girlfriend? Or does it mean that he's truly innocent? You know, again, kind of a he's got to like stick to his stick to his guns. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Nice one. (laughs) So. Drugs. Drugs gets brought up because in his house, they found two boxes of testosterone, syringes, and needles in a bedroom cabinet. Hell yeah. Later, a police spokesman admitted that the contents of the box were unknown. Testosterone is banned by the IOC, the International... I have no idea. OC. Orange County. (laughs) (laughs) The defense says the boxes contained an herbal remedy commonly used for sexual enhancement purposes so again rhino sperm so again like brought up in court but i think with shoddy police work i don't think you could prove or disprove whatever kind of drugs he was using or not using so also another thing that just kind of complicates the case is just the media circus that happens and it completely overshadows the trial again kind of relating it back to oj simpson you know the media does this every time yeah and so the world is just totally totally just possessed by this trial and like there are people talking heads on both sides just freaking out and so again it complicates things because it just overshadows the case entirely then the last thing that i just kind of wanted to bring up as like you know, a point in the trial, which I kind of brought up before, is that is Oscar Pistorius trigger happy? So he had two unrelated gun charges that were both weirdly dropped, probably because he's famous and handsome, right? That works. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. So one was shooting out the window, which is just crazy. And the second one, he sh- <laughs> he has like a gun in his lap at a restaurant and it accidentally goes off in they, a, cro- they in a crowded that. restaurant. They do that all the time. So, they just go uh, off. According to him or whoever like he's like friends with this boxer and they're both out at dinner together in a crowded restaurant and apparently the boxer hands the gun to oscar underneath the table and he says like hey yo there's one in the chamber so like careful and oscar like shoots it it doesn't injure anyone and apparently the boxer took the brunt of it because he wasn't like as famous as oscar and he didn't want oscar getting in trouble i think he was brought up as like a witness of just like yeah oscar sure is trigger happy and again these are this was his defense being like yeah he has a tendency of letting guns go off like i don't know if that's the best defense but there you go (laughs) yeah double agent so on august 8th nearly six months after reva steenkamp's murder the the trial concluded on september 11th about a month after the trial concludes judge thoko sile masipa 
Sorry. I'm glad you read that. <laughs> he clears, or I think this is a woman. I'm not 100% sure if this judge is a woman or a man. I apologize. Man. I think it's a woman. The judge clears Oscar of two different murder charges. And in comments before the lunch recess, they say... The state has not proven beyond reasonable doubt that the accused is guilty of premeditated murder. There are just not enough facts to support such a finding. A guilty verdict is delivered for the offense of culpable homicide, which is the equivalent of manslaughter in English law. The judge adds that there was a reasonable possibility that Oscar thought he was attacking an intruder rather than intending to kill Riva, though acted with recklessness and negligence. He served 10 months before being released on to house arrest. An appeals court changed that verdict to murder in 2015. Then in July of, I believe it was 2015, he was sentenced to six years in prison. Judge Thokozile Masipa cited substantial mitigating factors in the case against Oscar, saying that a long jail term would not serve justice. The government appealed that sentence saying that it was too lenient. So if you're if you're sitting there thinking, what the fuck? This dude only got six years for killing his girlfriend. Right, Kevin? Not enough. I, yeah, most people would say that. So if you're like, that doesn't seem fair. And that's pretty crazy that one judge can decide that. Well, rest assured that Justice Willie Seriti of South Africa's Supreme Court of Appeal announced that the five-judge panel upheld the prosecutor's appeals and increased the sentence to 15 years minus time served. 15 years is the country's usual minimum sentence for murder. So, as of 2017, he had 13 years left to complete, but he won't be doing any running, well, at least on the track, until about 2030. So, he'll be in prison for another nine. He, under the first sentencing he would be out by now and the steam camps are were very happy that more time was added to his sentence that's pretty so, crazy that they can just add time i know it's it what's crazy is the initial sentencing and even crazier yet is that you can just kind of revisit a case and be like nah that's that's not enough we want more yeah throw another shrimp on the barbie yeah it's yeah that's i'm glad we don't have that here i'm glad everything's on the up and up here in the states <laughs> yeah so what do you think? Do you think, I mean, just kind of based on kind of the, the blunders and the facts and like the evidence and the death and all of that stuff, do you think that he, what, what do you think? It definitely sounds like he was a famous celebrity that Who got away with shit, got away, you know, people didn't want to believe what was in front of them. And most likely he scared the shit out of his girlfriend. She locked herself in the bathroom, like you said, and then he cowardly shot her through the door. To make it look like an accident, like like set it up to be that way. And so he didn't have to see I, it. I think he took I think he took the opportunity and was like, fuck it, I hate this bitch, and was like, fuck it, she's in the bathroom right now. I'll it, just say I thought it was an intruder. It's only been three months. Why can't you just be like, uh, exactly. yo, see you later? I know, and then there, I mean, there was also like, you know, questions I didn't do... I did, I, you know, I read like a good 10 to 15 articles, but never did I see, like, I don't know. There, like, there's definitely questions about the relationship that I have that is just like, I don't know. I just, I guess, I guess what I just want to say is I, I wish he had just gotten out, you know, like, 
And obviously I'm not victim blaming at all. But it's just like she did so much advocacy work around like not being bullied and, you know, knowing the signs of domestic violence and abuse and all this stuff and the likelihood that domestic abuse can turn into murder. Yet she was in it herself. And and it seems like, you know, according to June Steenkamp's admissions in court and through text messages that Reva wrote to Oscar, like she was aware of it too. But again, like I know that victims of violence and often think, you know, this is only temporary or, you know, like it'll get better or he'll change, you right. know. Yeah. I mean, when you're in it. When you're in it, you, it's really, you can't see very someone far. Someone just said. When you're in the forest, what, how's the saying go? <laughs> I know. You can't see the forest through the trees. That's what, yeah. Yeah. I, somebody is me. I think it kind of, yeah. Thank you for your wise words, wife. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think when you're in it, you don't really realize how bad it is. Because you're just in it. And you again, I think there's like, she's had such a positive mindset and she was such a beautiful person that I think she just thought the best of him. Like, oh, this is only temporary. Like he, because again, like he is this incredible feat of a human, you yeah, know? Yeah, but who cares about that? But I think she did. I think, I think not only did all of South Africa, I think she did too. I think she thought, man, this person is so amazing. He's overcome so much. He can overcome being a shithead if I just like wait it out or like whatever. You know, I've played music with a lot of people, and like I've played music with like super We're just gonna talk about guitar. You now? Yeah, so this is all about me. This episode's <laughs> no, all about me. So, but I'm saying like I've played with like guitar players that are super awesome guitar, but they're fucking cunts as humans. Yeah. And so, and it's you're a deal willing breaker. to look past it sometimes. Yeah. But it's a deal breaker. But ultimately, a deal. Oh, breaker. Oh, we're not thinking the same guitarist. <laughs> That's still in your band. <laughs> <laughs> apparently not but like yeah i mean so that you're saying that you can't overlook certain things even if they're super amazing no yeah but like but becoming, like what, what you wouldn't know that necessarily after three months sometimes it would take years right yeah i mean i guess like, that's, like that's, that's, that's what that's sucks weird. she wasn't even given a. I feel like she almost wasn't even given a chance to leave yet because it happened so fucking early in their relationship all right so check it out if you were with, say, we were together for about three months, and I was like calling you a bitch in front of your friends, would oh, we still be, be together? I cut you loose in That's two what seconds. I'm saying. Like, you're not. You're not an incredible feat of human being, though. I beg to differ, <laughs> and my fans, I think, will get a lot of letters. We'll get a lot of emails backing me up on this, right, guys? But yeah, no, I see what you mean. It it seems out of character, actually, for Riva to stay with such a piece of shit. Yeah, but she did. So it. I, I do believe that Oscar did it. And I think that it was probably premeditated, maybe not like for days, but maybe that night. I think they got into a nasty argument and he took an opportunity. If she hadn't gone to the bathroom, he may have not done it. it and if he didn't do it that night, it was potentially going to happen in the future. You think maybe a crime of passion? Oh, I, just like a, like premeditated the, passion. I think maybe they got an argument. And he just went mental. That's what I think. Because he sounds like a fiery guy. Fast but and loose. But premeditated. No, I think he well, he doesn't premeditate. Premeditated he, means that you're like he had a moment where he picked up the gun, walked over to the bathroom and shot it. That's premeditated. If he had picked up the gun and shot her immediately like she was in bed, that would be not premeditated. That would be a crime of passion. But the fact that he picked up the gun and then walked over to the door, that that that's all you need premeditation can be like two seconds really yeah 
at, at least in the United States and probably in South Africa too. Premeditation means that you have a second thought to change your mind. A crime of passion means pure, like you walk, you have a gun in your hand and you walk in with your wife with another man and you shoot the other man or whatever and you have no like basically thought to do that. Like you just happen to have a gun on you. Like that would be like a crime of passion. I don't, I don't believe, I, be, I, I, I don't believe that it was, I think it was a crime of passion, but I also think it was premeditated to some degree because he had a moment's thought. From the time he walked in, saw she wasn't in bed, picked up the gun, walked over to the door and shot four times, not one, four times. That shows some level of premeditation. Not a huge level. Have you ever been so mad you blacked out? I'm sure that the defense tried to say that that potentially happened. I'm too. asking you. Not to the point where I'd murder someone. No, 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 I've never blacked out from anger. I can't say that. My my neck veins have bulged and I felt like I was going to pass out, but I've never I've never lost my train of thought. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I hope that never happens. Yeah, well, has I it mean, happened to you? I yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, were you also drunk though? No. Okay. Not necessarily. All right, we better wrap this up because I think they're starting to play music upstairs. Yeah, that's our wrap it up button, I think. Yeah. If there's like, any hey, Chappelle guys, get the fuck out of my basement. So anyways, thank you for listening this week. I know it was kind of a dumpstery episode from a basement, but that's, you know, that's, that's life. That's how we roll. That's how we roll. Subterranean, true garbage And our next style. episode will be less basementy, less garbagey, and we'll have more some dumpstery. greasy, grimy tales from the crypt. <laughs> yeah, a little more greasy, a little more dumpstery. Yeah. So again, you can follow us on the social medias and all the listening platforms because we really appreciate you. Look, look, listen, subscribe, whatever. Stop, drop and roll. Do all that stuff. (laughs) So thank you for tuning in this week. Tune in next week or the week after or whenever we put out another one as we continue talking out the trash. Bye bye. Bye now.